You're listening to the Beaver Tales podcast, which features exclusive interviews with former Oregon State student athletes. We talk about what they did at OSU, what the transition was like away from college athletics, and what they're passionate about now. Here's a little taste of what's coming up on this episode. Luckily, I think through playing football, it set me up with the skills to be able to handle adversity, to understand that really nothing's, for the most part, nothing's that permanent. You can push through almost anything. This is the Beaver Tales podcast with Josh Wharton, who has covered Oregon State athletics since 2013. Well, hi again, everybody. Thanks for joining me on the Beaver Tales podcast. I'm Josh Warden. Today, I talk with Grant Anger, an Oregon State offensive lineman from a few years ago, kind of recapping the early 2010s, that fun start to the decade in Oregon State football with just a fantastic 2012 season. Grant Anger was on that team and a starting offensive lineman the next year as well, a team captain in 2013, finishing his career with a win in the Hawaii Bowl, beating Boise State in 2013. Grant Anger started about 30 games for OSU on the offensive line. He did not play professional football, had too many injuries, just decided to to move on from football at that point. He's gotten into business, kind of sales, and then management and headhunting and all that. He's moved back to Oregon. He took a, a stint in North Carolina. He got married, came back to Oregon. He has two kids, lives in the Portland area and uh, has come from Bothell, Washington, through Corvallis to North Carolina to Oregon. That's kind of the quick snapshot of Grant Anger's trajectory the last decade or a little bit more. And so now we'll go back through and and kind of recap that and uh, see what Grant Anger has learned and the things he's uh, experienced through that journey that Grant Anger has had. So here is former Oregon State offensive lineman Grant Anger on the Beaver Tales podcast. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hadn't told you this, right as we're hopping on, I just got an email from Rashad Reynolds. He said he'd come on the podcast. We'll get get a lot of Oregon State guys. Grant Anger now joining me on the podcast. Grant, how you doing? I'm doing great. That's awesome. Rashad is a great guy. Love the guy. Grinder. Uh, oh, yeah. Classic, oh, yeah. Classic Oregon State Beaver. Right? He's a, you know, He's a great player, too. Those good defensive backs who make it in the NFL, Jordan Poyer and, and so forth. You know, Oregon State produces a lot of guys like that. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. You know, um, Oregon State's classic for doing that. A lot of a lot of guys who there wasn't they weren't highly touted necessarily, but but they come in, they put in the work, and and then put up the stats, and then and then go play a little bit in the NFL. Right. Cool. Well, we'll come back to kind of how you got to Oregon State and some memories at OSU, and then come to to kind of what's happened in life since then. But let's start out just a quick snapshot of what life looks like right now, family and job-wise. What's, what's kind of day-to-day life looking like in the Anger household? Yeah, the Anger household, it's it's me, my wife, and then I have two boys. I got a a two-year-old and a, a kid that's about to turn one. So one's, one's about to turn three and one's about to turn one. So they're about two years apart, Olin and Jacob. Um, so that's keeping us busy, man. The last year has been been crazy with COVID. I'm living up here in, in Portland area. And with COVID happening, we had some fires really close to our house. So we ended up leaving for those. And um, last year, I started a, a new job working as a purchasing uh, supervisor at Lamb Research and um, kind of during the COVID, COVID era. So I've actually 
never been into the office with my new team, which is kind of interesting. It's, it's only been working from home. Um, but it, it's going really well. It's going really well. There are no complaints. So Good. We'll, we'll come back to kind of how you ended up there. One other thing, Olin, I'm guessing it O-L-I-N. Is that how you spell Olin? For, oh, yeah. Oh, Olin. Yeah. Is that yep, short for O-Lineman? Is, is that where that kind of... <laughs> and then, and, and that, that's so funny. No, it, it wasn't short for anything. Um, just love the name. Got It's sounded, you know, uh, come from, I come from Norwegian roots. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a Norwegian name. His name is uh, Olin Jerome after his grandfather. So, okay. OJ. I got OJ and JR, Jacob Robert. <laughs> So. <laughs> that's great have you been over across the pond and ever gotten a taste for your norwegian roots in person no i wish i wish it's something i i really want to do and hopefully once once uh covid lightens up we'll we'll be able to go over um me and the wife ended up to, like we want to go we've, we've talked about it a ton and we uh when we were getting married we were talking about like you know at five or, or ten years we got to go over there and, and check it out um, there's, sounds like there's been some epic trips that my family's gone and, and they've gone and met old Ingers and, and folks from our lineage. Um, so I'd, I'd love to do that. I think it'd be really cool. So Norwegian descent, but you born and raised kind of Seattle area, Bothell, Washington, um, a lot of Washington guys on the roster when you were there, Johnny Hecker from Bothell. I know you went to a different high school than Johnny, but similar area. And I think he was a year ahead of you. Did Johnny do any recruiting of you? How did you end up at Oregon State coming down from Bothell? That's funny. Um, I knew jo So growing up, I knew Johnny really well. Um, he was a grade above me. We went to the same um, elementary school and the same junior high. And I actually, so John, so when I was growing up, I was a bigger kid. So I actually played with uh, the kids one year older than Johnny until about like seventh grade. And then I finally played on Johnny's team. Um, so I, I knew Johnny really well. And actually I did talk to him before, before going to OSU and um, trying to figure out, you know, what it's like and having that conversation definitely helped push me in that direction. Um, but but I think ultimately is is how I ended up getting there was was conversations with Coach Cab, sitting in the offensive line room with him, um, watching how he talked to his guys, and uh, yeah, having talking with Mike Riley, just just great guys, great people, and you could tell when you have the conversations with them that they were real real guys and and they wanted to do the right thing, you know. That's great. I know. You played offensive line. Johnny, people know him as a punter, but he played quarterback in, in high school and probably before then. So when you played on the same year as Johnny, did you block for him as an O-line for him playing quarterback? Um, so I think when when me and Johnny played on the same – so I didn't go to the same high school as Johnny. Um, right. we, we separated at junior high. Um, and he – I think he was playing defensive end uh, when – when we were, so I think, I think I was, I yeah, I think he was playing defensive end and I was playing like linebacker and fullback, I think. And he was playing defensive end and probably another position um, at the time. And then, and then obviously Johnny turned into a really good quarterback. I mean, he's thrown multiple passes for touchdowns in the NFL at punter, which has been super cool. 
Um, but yeah, he's kind of. He, I, I would say Johnny Johnny Hecker is like the pride of Bothell. It, it's so cool. Awesome. The pride, the pride of Bothell. That's great. Well, once you came down to Oregon State, and, and Mike Cavanaugh is a, a great coach. Everybody who meets him, you know, has kind words to say about him, and just as much, if not more, so for Mike Riley. Can you think of a story, maybe the one that you most commonly tell friends that kind of comes up of, oh, you know, my Oregon State days. I remember when Coach Cav did this, or this happened with Mike Riley. What, what's kind of the funny story that always seems to come up when you're reminiscing with teammates, that sort of thing? Oh, man. Reminiscing with teammates, it's, you know, this is a family podcast, so some of the funny things that Cav said should not be repeated. Um, but but that's, those are my go-tos where, like, Cav, Cav would say something and you, like, look over wide-eyed and you're like, oh, dang. Uh, and, and, you know, dropping, dropping F-bombs here and there, which he would, he would do frequently to, to try and, you know, get into it get into us and, and make sure we we're getting to work. Um, but the, the contrast of the two was so funny because Cav would, Cav would get on you. He would, if you, if you jumped offside, you did the wrong time. He'd throw his hat at you. He'd, the heck is going on? And then um, on the contrary, coach Riley goes, you know, I think I heard him say hell once maybe you know <laughs> it's like it, just two completely different approaches uh but when they were working together worked so well together um and and you know i think that was cav was a guy that coach riley really worked well with and, and needed at the time um just because because of how Cavs approach versus Mike Riley's approach where where one's you know very tender where one is very uh hard-edged I would say um that said Cav I mean you did know Cav loved you like you'd have the guys over we'd eat dinner together um if you did if you did well you would know I wonder, you know, with how Mike Riley was so kind-hearted, I bet it was hard for him. Uh, I, I mean, you would know better than I would, but to to discipline guys, or maybe he could. But I wonder, do you think he he wanted Mike Cavanaugh on his staff for that reason? To be, I know I'm the nice guy. I should have someone on my staff who's the hard guy because someone needs to be that. Do you think that was a purposeful thing? Um, no, 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 no. I I don't think I don't think Coach Riley had a problem disciplining people. Um, just if he did it, you'd, it would, it, you know, you'd know when he's mad at you, but like, it, it would just, it's so nice. <laughs> you know, I don't even know how to explain it, but like, I, I guess I didn't get disciplined by him specifically. Um, but I know, I know some guys did. Um, how, how would he do that? Well, he would do it separately away from the team. Um, a lot of the time it was, it was behavioral things where he was having to do the discipline. Um, and a lot of time, you know, it, it was, it was behind closed doors and, um, you wouldn't see how the conversations went, but I would imagine they were pretty, pretty well navigated, yeah. <laughs> At the, you know, I don't know, I don't know how else to say it, you know, it's, but also it wasn't for the most part, I, I, I don't remember there being a, a ton of, a ton of issues with guys, you know, not, not trying to do the right thing. I think they. At the time, they did a good job of trying to bring in good guys. 
Speaking of good guys, talent-wise on on that team, I think of 2012 especially, which was your second to last year in the program, and that was one of the best years in OSU in a long time. Nine and three, make the Alamo Bowl. And I look back at that roster in 2012, and you think of guys like Oboom Guachem, Teron Ward, Storm Woods, Malcolm Agnew, Marcus Wheaton, Brandon Cooks, Jordan Poirier, Rashad Reynolds, Larry Scott, Dylan Wynn. Isaac Samalo, Josh Andrews, Michael Phillip. We get to the offensive lineman, Dustin Stanton, Scott Crichton on D-line. Like, that was all 2012 guys. That's one team. And you look at that and you're like, of course they went 9-3. and three. Uh, wh- Why do we ever think they wouldn't make a bowl game that year, even though they you know, went 3-9 and nine the year after? That really, looking back on it, like, man, the amount of talent on that team, that must have been a pretty fun team to play with in 2012. Oh, it was fun. It was really fun. And I so... What, what you missed there, too, was Colin Kelly, um, yeah. who, was a, who was a very good offensive tackle. Um, a couple of the D-linemen, uh, Andrew Ciamalu, um, Kevin Fromm, he was good. I think I think at the time we still had – was Castro Masaniai still on the team at that time? That's a good question. I'd have to double check. He might have been a year older. I wonder if Kevin Fromm was a year older, too. Or Gabe Miller. Was Gabe Miller still playing? I, I can't remember. It, it runs together a little Wynn, bit, right? Dylan Wynn, though. Dylan yeah. Wynn was definitely still playing. And he was he was uh you know really revving up at that time. He started playing really well. Um John Braun was playing. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, I I'm actually having a tough time remembering D line twenty twelve. Um Doc. Doc Michael Doctor. Um, yeah, my, yeah, Michael Doctor. Um Jeez, we had another really fast. He's a DJ, DJ Alexander. Yeah, yeah. is good. We had a. I mean, that team was so good. There's so so many guys that had played a lot of football. A lot of guys that had played a lot of football. It was fun. It was really fun. Looking back on it, it was you almost didn't know the amount of talent that that we had because of how guys worked, which was cool. Yeah, it caught a lot of people by surprise. I mean, going two years without a bowl game before that to come in 2012 and just kind of catch people by surprise. But uh, that was a fun year. I want to come back to a little bit more of your story and and what life has looked like since OSU. So you finished out the next year, 2013. Your last game is in Hawaii. You beat Boise State, um, which remains, unfortunately, the last bowl game that OSU has been to. Uh, But you, you did that, finished your career out on a win. Uh, if there was pro football in the works for you, a consideration, you had a lot of injuries, your shoulder, the MCL partial rotator cuff. So you didn't go the pro football route. Tell me what you did do once, once, uh, your Oregon state career came to an end, what did the next few months look like? Yeah. So the next few months I, I had grad, so I graduated in December and then the next couple months I, I just stuck around Corvallis, um, for about three months until the football banquet, really. So I wanted to be around for that. And um, the day after the football banquet, um, there was, so at the same time, about a year prior to that, I had met a girl and she had moved, she graduated with a chemical engineering degree and she moved out to uh, North Carolina for a job. So the day after the banquet, I had a I had a 1996 Toyota Avalon stacked to the brim. Uh, she flew out and, and we started driving across the country. So we ended up um, 
kind of staying with I had somehow at the time I had family kind of like uh, littered across the country and, and was able to stay with uh, family members as I as we drove over and um, saw a little bit of the country ended up getting to North Carolina I think like in five or, or six days later and uh, I started looking for work I ended up getting a job as a headhunter um, so I was working as a recruiter and I did that for uh, close to a year um, it was a really cool company actually it was a company uh, that had a ton of athletes. So it was, it was probably like 85% of the office were, were athletes, former, former college, college athletes. Um, and ended up, it was so fun because we started playing a bunch of like, we joining like a bunch of intramural leagues with, with, uh, the company and played a ton of intramural sports. Uh, but our teams were super good because everybody played college sports, which was awesome. So we definitely had a leg up. Um, so that was really fun. We did. So at a, at a certain point there, my wife ends up. So I'm working as a headhunter. My wife ends up getting, um, we end up kind of deciding that we want to be back. She ends up getting a job back in Portland area. Um, and luckily enough, it's, it re actually relocates us back. So, so we end up moving back to Portland and I start working for a family friend for a while. And I do that for about two years. But is what I, I was doing was was basically selling popcorn and popcorn machines. It was like a, it was a company uh, called Northwest Concession Supply. And uh, they so so they actually were the company that sold all of the popcorn and popcorn machines to like Les Schwab and uh, so they did all that business and then they sold obviously like a lot of a lot of other things that um to folks that were were in the concession concession business um so did that for a while and then ended up finding a, a new job over in uh Tualatin area where it, it, it just seemed like a, a good company to work for um called lamb research and and i've been working there ever since which is almost about four years now um but really enjoying it really enjoying it I, I i just ended up becoming uh getting into management there um which has been really cool i, I i'm really enjoying that aspect of it it i, I kind of i'm starting to feel like i I'm, I'm part of a team again which instead of just kind of being like an individual contributor which is so much more up my alley um so yeah i've been doing that for the last I guess, I guess four years, um, but it's, and, and now I'm, we're, we're here with a couple kids and hanging out in Tualatin and working remote. So you, to go into management now from you and, you know, your football background, the things you learned there, the things you learned from the coaches you had who were, um, you know, the leaders that they, that they were and instilled, you know, I'm sure a lot of things in your football career. Now that you're in a management position, what have, what have you learned about those relationships and working in that setting? I know it's different, you know, more remotely where you haven't gone into the office since moving into that new position, but in as much as you learned in that management position, what have you developed in terms of what it takes to be a successful and effective manager? <laughs> what, what are the things you learned in that element? Yeah, I think, man, I've, I've been blessed because I've had 
the ability to learn from great leaders, guys like Cav, Mike Riley. Um, previous to that, my football coach, um, Monty Kohler, who was the O'Day High School's head football coach. Um, but I learned a ton of the skills I, I, I use in the workforce from football. Um, I would say some of the some of the things that I actually have learned is that really the most the most important asset you have are, are the people you work with and, and making sure that you take take care of them. Um, I mean, if, if somebody needs to step out for, you know, an hour or can't show up for a day, it's, you don't need to grill them. You need to, I mean, you need to understand what they're going through. You need to understand that, hey, um, you know, they're, they're going to do, most people, people want to do their best. So as what you, my job is, to, in, in my opinion, is what my job is, is to make it possible for them to do their best. So I, I try and do that. Yeah, that, that's good. Uh, since you mentioned uh, that period of time right after playing football where you stayed in Corvallis, wanted to wait for that banquet and then move out to North Carolina, one of the questions I most like asking each athlete is when your playing career came to an end you know what what did you learn about yourself at that point who, who were you when basketball or baseball or football was no longer a thing for you who, who was you <laughs> who, who were you without sports to kind of define you be your identity I don't know if there was kind of a a realization epiphany moment in that two, three month period, or maybe it was later, or maybe there's no one big moment for you. But once football did come to an end and you realized, all right, I'm not on a team anymore, at least not in the same sense. What did kind of take that place? Where did your kind of self purpose and identity come from once football was no longer real for you? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a great question. I, I think that Excuse me. I, I think is to be honest with you, I, I was looking back on it. I was just I'm just lost and, and still trying to really figure out, you know, hey, what am I supposed to do? You know, and I don't know if I'll, you'll ever fully figure that out. I think that's kind of of what life's about. But I, it luckily, I think through playing football, it set me up with the skills and the, and the life skills to be able to handle adversity, um, to understand that really nothing's, for the most part, nothing's that permanent. I mean, like you can, you can push through almost anything, you know, I mean, there are things that are permanent, but, but I guess the most important thing is really how you react to that. But that period, I, <laughs> I didn't feel lost at the time, which was kind of, kind of interesting. Um, I was going to training table. So I was going to see all the guys that I was just finished playing with, um, basically eating chicken and broccoli. I got down to like 240 pounds. I was just running through the hills of Corvallis all the time, um, <laughs> probably playing too many video games. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I almost just kind of took a little break. And then after that, once I got to North Carolina, I just tried to start figuring out what I'm going to do and, even now, you know, it's like, I really like what I'm doing, but it still feels like, you know, I'm trying to just trying to figure out what I'm, what I'm going to do. Um, and see where, see where it goes. I just do my best and see where it goes, I guess. But um, yeah, I mean, I, 
it's kind of funny just seeing how life rolls out. Yeah. The one other element we haven't touched on too much is, is family and how that's developed. You, you drove out for the woman who became your wife, Carrie, I think is, is your wife's name, right? Um, and so now that you've got two kids and and the wife, the four of you together, um, I kind of want to ask the same question that I asked in terms of management, but now family wise, what have you learned being a dad, being a husband, the sort of responsibilities you have there and, and what it takes to be a, a good father, a good husband, whatever that may mean. Uh, you know, how, how has that kind of changed you as a person compared to five, six, seven years ago before you had a family? Oh, almost. It feels like night and day, you know, I, I would say, um, I have a lot of passion and, and love for my family. Um, but I think what's really important within, within our family is understanding that no matter what, we're just going to keep, keep pushing. I don't know. I, that's it's, it's, it's a grinders mentality and that's, I guess that's what I expect. <laughs> that's what I expect. And that's what I want from my family. Just, just be able to show up and keep grinding it out. Cause it's going to be hard sometimes. Sometimes it'll be fun. Sometimes it'll be easy. Um, sometimes it'll be horrible and sometimes it'll, it'll, you know, hurt, but making sure that we can come together and, and grind it out together is, is really the goal. Yeah. There's, there's, an element of sports in there, although it far transcends just sports, but there's a, a certain commonality that, that uh, I'm sure you experience playing offensive line for Oregon state. And it's not the same thing with family, but not completely unrelated either in terms of the resilience. It might not take. at all. One in the same almost, I would say just because when you're out there playing too, it's like, I mean, there's, you're going to do what you need to do for the guy next to you. And that's, that was the mentality I took. Yeah. I, I'm glad to, to hear all that and, and glad you're in a, a good spot back in the Beaver State and watching Oregon State and all that. So, Grant, thanks for coming on the podcast and sharing a bit of your story and hope things continue to go well. And maybe a few years now, we'll, we'll do it all again. Another where are they now? And then do it, do it again. So thanks for chatting. I love it, Josh. Thanks, thanks for the time. And uh, I, I love what you're doing. Keep it up. You're doing a great job. Impressive work. My thanks again to Grant Anger for joining me here on the podcast. Also, just a quick update before I let you go. Dynasty in the Woods comes out this month, a Beaver Baseball podcast series, a documentary that I've been working on for the last month. It'll be in podcast form uh, right here on this channel, but if you want to get access to all the episodes right away, uh, there's a link in the description. It's just $20, or you can listen week by week as each episode comes out. Uh, that'll be for free starting uh, slightly later, April 28th, and comes out uh, uh, each week with a new episode. So check out the link in the show notes and you can uh, find how to listen to be the first to listen to Dynasty in the Woods covering Beaver baseball. All right, I'm Josh Warden signing off until next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Beaver Tales podcast. Have a great week, everyone, and go Beavs. <laughs>